Welcome to Life Happens, where Texans come to protect their legacy and prepare for the second half of life. Join your host, attorney Kim Hegwood of Your Legacy Legal Care and our weekly guest as we navigate the challenges that emerge as life happens. Now here's your host, Kim Hegwood. Good morning and welcome to Life Happens with me, Kim Hegwood. And uh, our very special guest today is Consuela Marshall. Good morning. Good morning. And so uh, we're going to talk today about strokes because that tends to happen a lot to a lot of clients. And so, you know, so we're going to kind of help caregivers if they're taking care of somebody that's, you know, that's had a stroke today, hopefully get some more information to kind of help them along. Uh, I'm a huge fan of caregivers, so any information we can give them, you know, is always good. Mm-hmm. And so, so let's kind of start with, um, you know, what a stroke is and how it affects someone. Well, thank you. I'm Consuelo. I'm an, I am an occupational therapist, and I have worked on many rehab units and have had the experience of working with uh, individuals who had strokes and. Unfortunately, my mom also had several strokes before her passing, so I was also her caregiver. So quite familiar with strokes and the different effects that they can have on an individual's lives. So when we're talking about a stroke, a stroke is like a illness to the brain. It's it's similar to like a heart attack that happens in the heart when there's not enough blood flow to the heart. It's the same thing that happens in the brain is when the blood flow, which contains the oxygen that our brains need, is disturbed because there's a clog or some type of clot that's interrupting the flow or a unfortunately a blood vessel ruptures and the, the supply channel that takes that blood to those areas of the brain is disrupted. And so those areas of the brain began to suffer and many parts of the brain, depending on the severity of the stroke and even die off of those portions of the brain. So when we can think of the brain as being this big computer in our head, it just depends on where that cord was feeding, uh, will detect, will determine what is the, um, the level of injury and what type of injuries or deficits a person would have depends on where that, that brain, that particular brain center is located and what that blood vessel, that blood was, what vessel was supplying that center will determine what you will see presented in a person's life when that area of the brain is damaged. So, so you and I have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, uh, I was a, you know, more or less a caregiver for my, for my grandparents and my grandfather wasn't taking care of himself and had his first stroke taking care of my grandmother. And, um, you know, for him, even with the second stroke, it affected his body. So he went from walking to a cane, to a walker, to a wheelchair, to not being able to get out of the wheelchair. And uh, so I learned a lot about TIAs and all kinds of stuff. So um, I know that you've had similar experience, you know, with your mom. So, um, you know, how did that affect, you know, your experience with her to what you do today? Um, You know, as a therapist, I saw it from a different perspective. But when it's your mom, you really get to see the day-to-day effects that a stroke has on individuals. And in my mom's case, it 
primarily, it affected her one side of her body and her throat. So when you're thinking about the different, different areas of the brain control different centers in your body. So her strokes affected her swallowing and her talking. So she had difficulty talking, had a lot of issues with coughing and swallowing. So it really was really devastating not to be able to hear her communicate to us in the same voice and for her diet to change a whole lot. And then those motor skills that she lost in the use of her leg, the full strength. So it really had a an effect on her quality of life and the amount of assistance that we had to put in a place to really help her maintain um, different diets and things. So uh, it's very different with everyone. So no two strokes are alike because you can have someone whose stroke occurs on the right side of the body. So you're going to have those left side deficits. And then if it's on that same side, it may affect just the leg or it may just affect the arm or it may even uh, be on both sides sometimes. So the quality of life and the things that occur as far as how does life change, it really depends on what has happened. And in my mom's case, it was just really getting her to see you have to eat differently. You cannot drink the same liquids. You know, you've got to be careful with how we prepare your foods. And those are hard adjustments to someone who's just used to eating whatever they want and thinking it's going to go down the right way. But when you have a throat that has weaknesses and those swallowing mechanisms are sluggish, don't have that right control and tone in the throat, a lot of coughing, a lot of chances for pneumonia were our biggest issues with my mom in just trying to keep her lungs clear and trying to make all these adjustments. So it was, it was an adjustment for, for the whole family, for sure. I think anytime, you know, you have some, a loved one that, um, you know, has something go wrong, that it really is a, a huge adjustment. And so, mm-hmm. and uh, so let's talk about, um, you know, because you told us right off the bat that you were an occupational therapist. Yes. And um, and so, and most people don't understand the difference between occupational therapy and physical therapy mm-hmm. and how it helps. So can you kind of give us some more information on that for me? Let's just start by just defining that word occupation. And, and that sort of helps clears up some of that, um, those, those difficulties that people have, because that word occupation means what are the things that you want to do, need to do, or have to do in the course of your life? And for most of us, you know, people automatically go to occupation as your job. And yeah, that that is a big thing that we want to or need to or have to do in our lives. But in the context of therapy, uh, occupation looks at all of those functional tasks that help us to maintain a good quality of life. That means how do we feed ourselves, get in and out of bed, go to the bathroom for toileting, for bathing, for managing basic household tasks. Uh, writing, all of those things can fall under occupational therapy because those areas are greatly impacted in our lives when we've had, when we've had any type of uh, ailment or even particularly, uh, specifically a stroke in that all of those qualities of life are diminished. So when we look at occupational therapy, look at those functional tasks that people need to do. And while as occupational therapy, we are looking at uh, 
they're no longer able to toilet on their own. We also look at balance because we have to have you balanced and have a good core strength in order to participate in, in toilet and tub transfers. Whereas physical therapists, their lane is that mobility aspect of, of your life, the walking, and they're heavily on the balance. So we often paired with physical therapists and we're overlapping and there's a lot of coll collaboration that goes with OT and PT. Uh, but if you can think about functional tasks with occupational therapists, think a lot about mobility with PT. That sort of simplifies it in a little bit, but there's a lot of overlap because there's a lot of PTs that do shoulder rehab as well. So, but that for the most part, if you can think about more of a functional aspect, you, you, so you can tend to swing more toward the occupational therapy uh, side of it. So, you know, if you, if you have a loved one that has a stroke or if it's even, you know, us, um, is it best to go home and have a therapist in the home or to go to rehab and get therapy that way before going home? Okay. Uh, strokes are very delicate and the sooner you can get that more advanced therapy, the better. Uh, and depending on the severity of the strokes, when you have someone who's like their legs will wipe out or one side of their body is totally par par paralyzed, you need that clinical setting because in, in home health, unfortunately, you only have one therapist walking in and we don't have parallel bars and all the equipment. So you're gonna need that more intense therapy that you can get in an inpatient setting. And often there's electrical devices, um, e-stem and a different uh, electrodes and things that they have in clinical settings that are very crucial in the beginning in trying to gain recovery uh, in muscles that have been um, been impaired because of the stroke. But there is definitely a benefit to the home health therapy. And I, I can say this from a practical standpoint uh, in that I now currently still do home health. You can rehab someone in a clinical setting that is probably ADA set up. Everything is according to what the law says. But you get someone in their home and those rules don't always apply because homes are always so different. So you could have someone actually in a clinical setting. And I did rehab that does quite good, you know, that, that, that provided a, a great care to patients. But and we were in a fortunate place where we also had a home health division as well. So we would often see those same patients out of the clinic into their home. And it is totally different because the setup is not there. And so I do believe it, all patients who've had a stroke should have a short period of home health where a therapist can really go through a sequence of things that evolve in your life, even over a course of one week, where you get to see them do all things so that you can look at the layout, you can look at, okay, this, they can't move this wall, this can't happen, and they've got this ton of furniture, the walker doesn't fit. There is a place for the home health to really play an important role in the safety of a person when they would go home. Because you wanna you want to prevent injuries. And your mm -hmm. body's already at a compromised thing where joints are not as tight as where they need to be because of all of the weakness around the joints that hold the joints in place. It doesn't take long or much for someone to fall on a weakened side and then dislocate something. 
injure the soft tissue around that joint or even break a bone. So we want to make that safety component of being able to take everything that you've learned in a rehab setting and integrated into your home is vitally important. But I do not recommend that people who've had a stroke do that little cry thing like, I want to go home. I don't want to go to rehab. I want, you know, they do that and, and they take them home too soon and they have not fully recovered and they're not at their best. Those patients don't do well either. Uh, they don't do as well because they come home not fully knowing the extent of their deficits and the families are very much not prepared to take care of someone who's at that beginning stage of recovery when those deficits are still so pronounced that yes, go to inpatient rehab, but then fine tune it by getting a little home health just to make sure it gets transitioned into the home properly. So you were talking about family caregivers. So let's talk about that for a minute since you brought that up in this last you know, thing. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times, you know, family caregivers will come in and they're trying to do everything for, for them. You know, and, you know, and I think there's some pros and cons of why this is a good and bad idea. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there is. You know, it is so good to have the support of family. Uh, that's not always the case. Uh, yeah. It's quite unfortunate. And there's not a lot of options when the deficits are great and that person is not able to return home because they don't have the support there. But when the support is there and it is given too much too soon, it you really can really create an environment of this learned dependency uh, on the caregiver by the one that's being cared for. Uh, so it is important that you approach it, that care that you're going to extend on an as needed basis, meaning looking at where do they need the help and you help with those tasks. And when you're looking at the task itself, looking at what portions of that task do they need help with? You know, maybe they need help putting on the pans, but maybe they don't need help putting on all the pans. You know, if they can get it started and you're there to just support their balance while they're pulling things up, because maybe they only have good use of one hand to pull from one side up then you give them those opportunities to do those portions because what you're doing is allowing them to strengthen themselves, gain strength, gain endurance, and gain a new way of independence because unfortunately with some strokes, there is not full recovery. No one ever knows. No one knows what's going to be the end result. But as therapists, we're pushing and we're we're knowing a sequence of recovery that we go through with a patient, but we don't know, but we continue uh, as long as they're recovering. And when you are assisting a loved one, it is important that you're not waiting for, keep doing things until they can do it the regular way, the normal way that they used to do things, because this may be the new normal. So if this is the new normal, even for the moment while they're recovering, it is important that you let them master the moment as it continues to improve. Or if it's never going to go back to normal, you've got to find a way of allowing them to be as independent and as safe with the task instead of jumping in and doing too much because you will you will recreate this. You, you will because you will 
because you're you because you'll create a snowball effect of them just becoming progressively weaker because you're not gonna you're you're not going to allow them the opportunity to make those improvements that they can make. Yeah, and, you're, and you wear yourself out. So I'm not going to talk about the 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 wearing out, the burnout and all of that and all of those negative emotions that come with that. But you do do a disservice to the one that you're caring for because you you in a way give them another disability on top yeah. of the stroke because you are now created this dependency on you. And then your life on the other side of caregiving is falling apart because there is no way. And this is what I'm always teaching in my group coaching is there's no way to you to you to there's no way to live two lives. You cannot put so much effort into making keeping your loved one's life normal that your life is out of whack. You caregivers have to realize that if there's a new normal, there is a new way of doing things, a new structure. Yes, they did their laundry on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but you're not expected to go over and do mom's laundry Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or help them with a bath, or have this routine that they were accustomed to when they were doing it, and still have your life. And that's where all the burnout comes, because you're trying to live two lives, and it doesn't happen. Yeah. So such, such good information. So Consuelo, if somebody wants to find you to get some extra help, how do they do that? Oh, great. You know, uh, findingafoothold.com is the start. If you go to my website, you'll see information, uh, my email address, which is c.marshall. It's a long thing now, c.marshall at findingafoothold.com. It's, it's out there, but you, you can find that information easily on the website. Uh, you and I also have a podcast as well. It's called Finding the Caregiver. The podcast is called Caregivers Finding a Foothold, and it's where caregivers call or they they leave, they fill out a form telling me about a situation or something that's going on and a challenge with caregiving, and I make it the topic of an upcoming podcast. And then there's information about group coaching and. Uh, aging in place because I am a certified aging in place and fall prevention specialist. So there's opportunities for those uh, active older adults to stay ahead of the injury so that they can live more healthier lives and, and stay in their homes longer. So all of it is at findingafoothold.com. Perfect. Thanks so much for being on the show today. And we look forward to having you again soon. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Life Happens with Kim Hegwood. Be sure to tune in every Thursday at 10 a.m. wherever you listen to your podcasts as we navigate through the challenges that emerge as life happens. The content of this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship or constitute attorney-client privilege, legal, medical, financial, or any other professional advice.